0: To see everyone here this evening. And we certainly do have a lot to pray about. I appreciated that sincere, uh, beautifully worded prayer and the song that was selected about heaven, and uh, <coughs> that's what I want to talk about this this evening for a little while. Is the subject of heaven. So to get started, I want to invite you to an Old Testament passage in Genesis twenty-eight. This is a story where Jacob leaves Bereshia, sets out for Haran and he reaches a certain spot, and he stops for the night. The sun is setting, So I kind of want you to see this in your mind, and he takes a stone and puts it under his head for a pillow. thought about that a lot, you know. I like a soft pillow, (laughs) a little bit of firmness, but not a rock. But that's what he did. Verse 12, he had a dream. In this dream he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching up into heaven. Now that's quite a dream, to see a ladder or a stairway going all the way up into heaven and he looked up there and angels were going up and down the stairway and uh, above it stood the Lord the Lord says this in verse 13 I am the Lord the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying verse 16 Jacob wakes up and he says this he said surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it He was afraid and he said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven And that's what we're going to talk about this this uh, evening is the subject of heaven in our study tonight we're very interested in that which is beyond the scope of human vision a land that is so unreal to us now perhaps but as Christians one day going to be our reality. You know, many times I think we neglect this topic. I know I do in my teaching, and I definitely neglect it in my preaching and in my uh, own personal thinking. But here's the thing about it. If heaven is our ultimate goal as a Christian, then shouldn't we spend a lot of time thinking about it and uh, praying about it and teaching about it? God has something in our life that is a purpose and his purpose is to get us to heaven one day and he offers us not an opportunity of a lifetime but an opportunity beyond our lifetime one author that i researched when i was studying this he wrote a book several years ago and at that time here were the stats three people die every second in this world 180 every minute that means that means about 11,000 an hour over 250,000 people dying every day and that's not even the latest statistics but that's quite impressive as I told someone before the service tonight the bottom line is we're not getting out of this thing alive unless the Lord comes back of course so what a glorious place our future home the most wonderful place that the mind of God could prepare for us, if you can think about that. The scriptures give us a few glimpses of heaven. We don't know everything that's involved. And I don't think the capacity of our brains could comprehend if God told us everything of what's to come. Someone said it'd be like trying to explain the internet to an ant. Can you imagine? It's just not going to go too well. And God can't really help us To fully understand what he has prepared for us so we can't go all the way but i want you to go with me tonight a journey to heaven and we're going to take a journey and we're going to leave this building tonight by faith of course and we're going to discover what we can about our ultimate destination and that's our plan for this evening we've got a lot of territory to cover And uh, I'm not going to keep you here all night, but I could as we study this subject. The first thing I want to say is heaven is a place. Now, some people think about heaven as just a condition where disembodied spirits kind of float around. But the Bible reveals that heaven is not a dream and heaven is not a wish, but heaven is a place. I, I think of it as having a fixed locality that there is a fixed habitation and that it's just as real as the chair that you're sitting in tonight and the song book that you picked up. Heaven is that real. And Jesus said it was a place. Remember John 14? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you <coughs> unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So heaven, I guess it occupies space somewhere, just like the city you live in occupies space. It has a locality. John described it in Revelation as a city with gates and so forth. So this brings up a question. If it has a place, but has a location, where is it? Where is heaven? Did you know that I, I don't know, maybe I spent 50 hours studying this subject as I was preparing, I'm guessing, and one of the things that I was amazed at as I studied it is I figured out where heaven is located. And i want to share it with you tonight. I, I did all the studies through all the scriptures and I really believe that I can tell you the location of heaven. You ready for this? Here it is, heaven is up. <laughs> That's as much as I know. But I do know it's up because listen to this. Matthew 14, 19, he directed the people to sit down on the grass taking the five loaves of the two fish, he looked up to heaven and gave thanks. Mark 16, 19, after the Lord Jesus spoke to them, he was taken up into heaven. And of course, Luke 24, 51, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So that's all I know, is we're taken up. Alright? Now, heaven in the scriptures is referred to by many names. I'm going to give you a few of them. First of all, Jesus called it my Father's house, John 14 and 2. It's called paradise, 2 Corinthians 12, 4, Revelation 2, 7. The heavenly Jerusalem, Galatians four twenty six, The kingdom of heaven, Matthew 25, 1. The eternal kingdom in uh, 2 Peter 1, 11. The eternal inheritance, 1 Peter 1 and 4. And a better country in Hebrews 11, verse 4, 14 and 16. So heaven is a better place. It's a more wonderful habitation. They long for a better country, Hebrews 11 and 6 says. You know, many people today are longing for a better country in this world. And there's many people trying to get into America because they perceive America as being a better country than where they live. But I want to tell us, tell us all tonight, tell myself, There's a country better than America, and there's no illegal aliens there. You don't get into heaven as an illegal alien. Everyone that's there is admitted is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Now, heaven is better for many reasons. It's a new place. Metropolitan cities, things are wearing out. Our inner cities are wearing out. Our infrastructure has to be rebuilt. Wiring is outdated many things buildings fall apart but not in heaven none of those problems i will make everything new revelation 21 and 5. another thing about heaven is you get a new start i like that you get a new start in heaven a man one time was upset he opened up the newspaper and he was shocked to read in the newspaper uh, that his death was mistakenly reported and it wasn't him And he called the editor, and the editor said, I'm so sorry, but it's not much I can do about it now. But he said, the best thing I can do is tomorrow morning I'll put you in the birth column and give you a brand new start. (laughs) Well, it seems like everyone would love to have a fresh new start. And we get one in heaven. You get better company. Think of the neighbors you're going to have in heaven and the company that you'll keep. You ever thought about that? In heaven, here's your company here's your neighbors. The saints of all the ages will be there. In heaven, all the people from all the ages and all those wonderful people you read about in the Bible like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and on and on we can go. The list in Hebrews 11 in heaven. Your loved ones who serve the Lord faithfully will be there. You know, when death separates us from a loved one who dies in the Lord, that's only temporary. We'll see them again. And we'll dwell with them. And we'll cover before we're done. Uh, I think tonight we'll have time to get to it. The big question will we know one another in heaven? And I hope to answer that this evening. Your other neighbors, the angels. Did you know angels really exist? I know you know that if you know the Bible. I understand there's about 300 references to angels in the Bible. The Bible tells us angels are spirits sent forth to serve God's people. Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 12.22 says you've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. And listen to this, to thousands upon thousands of angels. Now just think about that for a moment. We get to heaven one day, and we look around. We see our loved ones. We see the saints of all the ages. And all of a sudden we look out, as far as we can see are these creatures called angels now angels can take bodily form but most of the time they didn't in the Bible but in heaven they'll be visible and we'll dwell with them and we'll interact with them when John looked up into heaven he repeatedly spoke with the angels and in Revelation 5 11 and 12 I looked and heard the voice of many angels how many, John? Numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. When I think about it, I'm going to look out in heaven and it's going to be a sea of angels. That's amazing. In fact, one place in the Bible says there is an innumerable company of angels. So many you can't even know. Now, sin, sin will never be allowed into heaven. Uh, there's no... If you can imagine a city where there's no crime, there's no evil, there's no need for police officers, armed forces, homeland security. The phone's in heaven. There's no 911 to dial because you won't need it. In heaven, there's no sickness, no disease, no sorrow, no tears, no crying, no death, germs. No germs in hell. You won't need a mask. Disease, illness, sickness, virus, infection, all of those drop out of the dictionary in heaven. Hospitals and funeral homes and cemeteries, they're suddenly out of business when we get to heaven. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation 21 and 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things is thing about heaven that's interesting as i study this is heaven is a city you know uh, Hebrews 11 and 6 describes it as a country and a city. Hebrews 12 22 says that we've come to the city of the living God can you imagine a city where God dwells what that city must look like God made it. Hebrews 13 and 4. Here we don't have an enduring city but we're looking for the city that is what makes heaven heaven is God that he's there you know heaven is eternal Christ stamped the words everlasting on it in Matthew 25 the righteous to eternal life he goes on and on and on and on I was uh, just a little younger than uh, Ryan and Jacob who are here tonight when I would go out as a teenager and sit on River where I grew up and I start thinking about heaven. I remember maybe I was 14, 15, 16 and I just lay out there and start thinking about what was what that like to so live forever and forever and forever and forever and all of a sudden I would literally go into a daze you know my brain did something like it malfunctioned like I can't get my my thoughts around this and I would just feel like I kind of drifted off into a daze there as I was just trying to how can you never never die that's heaven as I researched this I came across a story of a man that called his secretary he was dying and he called a secretary to write a letter to a friend I continue to be in the land of the living his secretary wrote trying to help him out with the words and he corrected her he said that's not right rewrite that don't say I continue to be in the land of the living Write this to my friend. I am still found in the land of the dying, but I will soon be in the land of the living. Now that's heaven, isn't it? Someone said, at three things I will wonder in heaven. First, I will find many there of whom I was certain would not be there. Number two, I will find many there whom I was sure I wouldn't lastly and most wonderful of all is I myself am actually there. Three wonders of heaven. What a surprise to wake up one day and say, well, I made it. You're not here. I've got my new body. Do you believe that? Certainly we can believe it as a Christian, but sometimes it seems so far away because we don't think about it enough. Heaven will be the greatest family reunion that you know, think about setting down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel and David and the prophets and conversing. People love family reunions. I love them and I guess the most famous family reunion, or the, I should say, first of all, the most famous family feud in history was the what? The Hatfields and the Coys, right? You've heard of them? Well, that was a true story. It happened in 1863 when he began brewing and it continued on and off for 30 years. We can't be sure of the origin of this famous feud, but legend has it that bitter feelings and violence started in 1878 when Randolph McCoy accused Sloan Hatfield of stealing one of his hogs. This set off a feud and history says it claimed the lives of 12 men. But did you know that was all put to rest in the summer of 2000? Descendants from these two famous families held the first ever Hatfield and McCoy National Reunion June of 2000 in Pikeville, Kentucky, and a, even over into West Virginia. And a truce signing ceremony was aired on national television. And today it claims to be the world's largest family reunion. It's grown into a full blown festival Across three counties with corporate sponsors, games, free concerts, a live reenactment of the feud, a golf tournament, a street fair, a carnival, and a marathon—that's <laughs> quite a—that's quite a family reunion. But that's nothing compared to the family reunion that will take place in heaven when you're reunited with those that you love. That's all a part of heaven. Now. Will we recognize one another in heaven? Well, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to let you be the jury. But I'm going to give you some things to think about. In 2 Samuel 12 and 23, David said of his son who had died, born by Bathsheba, now that he's dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me of plays into it maybe a little bit but the disciples of course they were able to recognize Jesus after his resurrection on occasions and they recognized it was Moses and Elijah on the mountain when Christ was transfigured I don't read in the scriptures anywhere where there's a memory wipe when we get to heaven where you don't remember anything at all I believe it's part of our hope of heaven See our loved ones who departed from this world. Jesus comforted Mary and Martha after Lazarus had died and said to Martha, Your brother will rise again. There's comfort in that, knowing that I get to be with him again. Paul anticipated being with the Thessalonians in heaven. It seems to me that it never occurred to him he wouldn't know them. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, What is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we glory?" in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you're our glory and our joy, he says, when the Lord comes back. So, I say I'm not giving my verdict, but you weigh the evidence here. Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Verse 14, God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep. Then he said in 17, those of us that are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We'll be with the Lord forever. Then he said, comfort one another with these words. So there's the evidence. Tell me what you believe. Will we know one another in heaven? Well, it's a wonderful thing. I believe we will obviously know that, but I want to see Jesus and go into heaven. we'll begin with a rewards banquet or there'll be a rewards banquet there. Paul wrote about that in 2 Corinthians 5 and 10. He said, We're going to all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things he's done while in the body. So, from my studies, we get rewarded for what we do. We don't earn our salvation by works, But, there is a reward for works. Now let me see if I can prove that. First of all, Hebrews eleven six. 6, what does it say? Everybody ought to know that verse. God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him, right? He rewards. All right? So Jesus uh, answered about those who sacrifice for him. They'll receive a hundredfold and shall inherit Everlasting life. You know, a hundredfold return, if I'm not mistaken, that's a 10,000% return. You know, if you get 20% on your money, is that pretty good? How about 10,000% for your works? There's a reward in serving God. Even the little things. Jesus said, What? If you give a cup of cold water, Ephesians 6 and 8, the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. There's a reward banquet. John uh, 12, 26, my father will honor the one who serves me. Luke 14, 14, although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Remember the parable of the talents? Matthew uh, 25, 25, uh, 21, his master replied, well done good and faithful servants. you you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many. But here's the thing. If we get rewarded for what we do, when we die, as a Christian, why do we not get it immediately? As soon as you die, you're rewarded. See, the Bible talks about, I'm not going to that tonight, but the Bible talks about when we die that we don't study that some other time perhaps but in Revelation 14 and 15 or 13 Revelation 14 13 it says I heard a voice from heaven say right blessed are the dead who died in the Lord from now on yes says the spirit they will rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them now why don't we get rewarded immediately I just want you to think about this if our works follow us (laughs) after we die that means after we die that our works aren't done yet what about the people we've invested in what about the people that we've taught that we disciple what about the the children that we've influenced that are serving the Lord and the generations that may come so here's what I started wondering I wonder if we get rewarded not only for what we've done while See, it says about Abel, he being dead, yet speaks because of his influence. If that's true, then that tells me that maybe that's why we don't get our reward immediately because our work's not done yet. That's a pretty amazing, God. And I just kind of want to throw that out there for you to think about. That God can reward us for all of our works, even that work. a few wrinkles that, you know, they talk about, you know, well, I'm getting some crow's feet, well, the crow scratch more than my eyelids, <laughs> you know, around my eyes, but people talk about that, and, and I try to stay in shape, bodily exercise profits a little, I want that a little, but no matter how hard I work still, the bottom line is the body's aging, and more and more people today talk about, well, I'm going to go get me a, a, a total body maker. The problem is like that with that, it don't for you know, you get your facelift for a long long sack, and then people get them again, and people get them again then for long they look like a monster, you know, they look really weird, I hope, am not talking to anyone that's had them, you know, not against getting a facelift, some of these people need a different doctor, <laughs> look at them, they've had too many, but in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says we get a total body bacon. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown perishable, it's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, it's raised in spiritual body. And he goes on to say, we're going to be changed. So when a body dies, it's resurrected, it's changed for eternity. Now, if that's not true, then what's the purpose of a resurrection? spirit never dies the body dies but the resurrected resurrection from the dead is a new changed body now i believe in heaven that you'll still be yourself and that i'll still be myself i believe that we will be definite personalities and that's one reason why i believe we'll know each other in heaven because see you are not a body that has a spirit it temporarily lives in a body you see the difference prove it, alright, Paul, what did he say I knew a man 14 years ago whether in the body or out of the body I can't tell, God knows how such a one was caught up to the third heaven and he repeats it, whether in the body or out of the body I don't know I believe Paul was talking about himself the context there in Corinthians. but he said I knew a man and I don't know if this man was in the body or out of the body, that tells me man is a spirit So we are spirits and temporarily live in bodies. And one day the body dies and the spirit goes back to God who gave it. So you are a spirit and that that, that doesn't mean you're no longer you when you get it. So that's why I believe we will know each other, the other. There's a personality, there's something about you that is you that won't quit being you when One guy asked me one time when I was a kid, "Well, what are we going to do in heaven? Are we going to have mini bikes? You know, I mean, it sounds boring to me. You know, what are we going to do? You know, well, I know we're not going to be bored. It's eternal life, not eternal boredom, and uh, keeping company with the angels and all the saints of the ages. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It sounds pretty fantastic to me. And the bottom line is, we need to prepare for and look forward." three, since you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. You know, while we're in this world, folks, we've got to keep our focus on heaven. And that's so difficult because there's so many distractions, aren't there? You know, just constantly throughout the day. Ding! ding you know, ding. what do I do? I can't really keep my eyes off of it. You know, Michael trying to have a serious talk with want to look and see. Someone text me, you know, I have to attend to something. These things are wonderful tools. I and mean, iPhones are great by the way. She just got her new iPhone. But I tell you they can truly be a distraction. We're not careful. And so we have to discipline our mind to keep it on heaven. Now, true story. The year was 1952 and there was a lady by the name of Florence Chadwick. She stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island determined to swim to the shore of California. Now she had already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways but on this day the weather was very foggy and chilly and uh, she could barely see the boat that was accompanying her that was right there beside her in case she got into trouble. But still, she swam, if you can imagine, for 15 hours. And when she begged to be pulled out of the water along the way, her mother in the boat next to her said, you're almost there, you're so close, you can make it. And finally, exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out of the water. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered that the shore was less than a half a mile away, which was nothing compared to all the miles in the 15 hours she had swam. And in a news conference the next day, she, this is what she said, and this is very significant, and this is the thought we're going to close with tonight. She said, all I could see was the thong. She said, I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. I want you to think about that. If I could have seen the shore, believers that sure is Jesus Christ and the place he is preparing for us and no matter how tough life gets we can draw strength from Christ but we got to see through the fog because we can't see him with the physical eye so we see him with faith we have to keep our attention on him or the fog discouraged. We'll beg to be pulled out of the water. We'll give up the fight. But when the fog is there, and the discouragements are there, and everything, like we're praying in the prayer, everything's kind of coming in on us at the same time, we must see through the fog. And by faith.